0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I've done it on the radio side. I'm Wes
1: Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan. I have done it on the the internet, uh, where I am the owner of ClubCountryUSA.com. And we didn't have a clip for you today, like we usually do. We love to play audio,
0: but uh, there hasn't been a goal for Nashville SC in a very long time because there hasn't been a game in a very long time. Nashville about to I cower. was
1: going to say, uh, it's a real indictment of Gary Ball that they haven't scored and. uh 18-something. <laughs> I mean, they haven't conceded either. So the defensive yeah. record
0: is flawless. Not even allowed a kick, actually. The team hasn't touched the ball. <laughs> but might be a they record. have both 100 we'll have and, on and also 0% <laughs> possession. And we laugh about you know fake futility. But when we look back, I mean, Nashville SC somehow hasn't won a league match since July 1st, a 2-0 win over DC United at home that I honestly struggled for a second to recall. Of course, League's Cup was great, and and we know that that's part of the reason for that, that long time gap, but the boys in gold, Tim, now taking on Sporting Kansas City Wednesday night on the road, a match that they really need to get something out of, and that something should probably be three points against an SKC team that is not exactly elite this year.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about how um, or earlier in the season we were saying, okay, yeah, Nashville doesn't have to be perfect the rest of the way. They've built themselves this margin for error. They've really eaten into that margin for error. And yep. then when you go travel to a team like SKC, you really do feel the need to get a result. Okay, maybe if you had gotten a draw instead of a loss at Chicago, you'd feel differently. But now I think uh, a draw is, a, is, is kind of a minimum if you want to stay on the track that you've been on. And, and a win is probably... Uh, more likely what you would kind of expect slash hope for against a team that currently sits 10th place in the Western Conference. The playoffs
0: are likely for Nashville SC, of course. But since we last talked to you, there have been other games around the league. Everybody's played except for Nashville in the past couple of weeks. And the boys in gold sit in seventh place right now. Nine teams make the playoffs. uh, But of course, eight versus nine, a play in game. And right now, Montreal in eighth place, just four points back of Nashville. The boys in gold, I should say, do have a game in hand there. Um, And so SKC is is the opponent and of course there's great history here Tim um not only on the pitch and we'll get to some of that that head to head history in a minute but off it of course with Mike Jacobs the uh, general manager for Nashville SC assistant technical director at uh, Sporting Kansas City working under Peter Vermes and this always he, Mike's going to always be gracious about this. He he, he and Mike have or he and Peter Vermes have a great relationship still. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this means a lot to him and to others in the front office who have experience with that SKC club.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, that the longer this club exists, the more there are connections to a lot of different clubs around the league. But as long as Mike Jacobs is is the general manager here, there's going to be the strongest connection, I think, from an emotional perspective and and from a philosophical perspective Mm -hmm. to how SKC had been built and and continues to be built as to how Nashville is doing the same sort of thing. I think uh, if if SKC could have nabbed a player like Hani, who is who's just at the right age and quality uh, kind of combination in his career to be a guy who is not only going to be a a multiple year MVP caliber player, but also a guy who you're unlikely to lose to an overseas transfer, they would gladly do that. But I think that's the main thing that has kind of differentiated what Mike Jacobs has done is is that incredible scouting hit that they got with Hani. But otherwise, it is the SKC model thrown through The great man theory, I guess, right? History of GMs. <laughs> yeah. is we are we are historians from the 90s. Everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, so in, in, in the show today, we're going to get into uh, a few questions as we preview this SKC match specifically. Look ahead a little bit as well to San Jose this weekend. Uh, one question that we'll ask in a minute, has Nashville passed SKC in terms of Prestige at the current moment, not in league history. SKC yes, has a rich history, but but in terms of where these clubs stand uh, in the in the last few years, we'll revisit some fun USL history because there's some second-tier uh, second uh past here as well. Get into the dynamics of this match and then take a quick look at the table and what's happening elsewhere um in major league soccer this week, uh, as Messi looks to return after making a lot of Atlanta ticket buyers mad. Uh, that he didn't play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Tim uh, M.L. Rose, of course, driving the show. And I was there Saturday. It was a- an awesome opportunity to watch football with my little guy uh, while going to a place that my wife liked. Great food, somewhere that she <laughs> the <big> enjoys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a restaurant we both like, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's food we can really enjoy. He adores it, but she brought up a really good point to me that I hadn't thought of. But I told her I was going to use it on the show. So if she hears me in the other room. Lisa, I'm I'm referencing you here. <laughs> um, and that is that it's a great place to take a kid because there's so many stimuli there. Like the walls are full of really cool decorations. There was a balloon, uh, like a blow up smoky, like the University of Tennessee mascot. College football podcast. Um, <laughs> Cameron was a little scared of it because he's three and he's scared of things sometimes. But uh like there are always stimuli that that a little mm-hmm. one can see. Well, also stimuli that that I could see, because there were like eight football games on the various TVs.
1: Yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, uh you didn't get to watch a Tennessee game while you were there. I hear they they had a bye this past weekend. Yes, they did. Uh <laughs> the official record <laughs> let
0: it show that Tennessee did not play. The the offensive line actually did think they had a bye. I believe
1: that. Was the <laughs> No, I, you raise a really good point. Um, when I first moved to Nashville, I've, I've said this before, ML Rose is one of the, the first places that I discovered. There's there's one in West Nashville, very close to my home, and I used to walk there. And um, then when when I had uh, kids, uh, producer Lily was was very willing to go there, not only because of the stimuli, but um, waffle fries or something that she oh, uh, would live and die for. So, so good. It, is, it is a place where you can go watch college football um, you can go watch my beloved Michigan Wolverines, uh, who did play this weekend. Fortunately, uh, <laughs> although I think uh, adjusted for opponent, they, they similarly. I was, was going <laughs> to say when you list the competition, they've not played yeah. yet this season. They've had no, four it, different head yeah. coaches
0: in three games because <laughs> Harbaugh suspended anyway.
1: Yeah. uh, So he's going to come back and it's going to be right back to the playoff. But anyway, yeah, no, it's the sort of place that, that you can go in and not only can you, can you have the soccer experience that we talk about all the time, but this is a a college football podcast as well. And we, you can go watch a variety of college football games. All all the locations are, are simply loaded with televisions. The food and beer is, is the same as we talk about every week. It's great for soccer. It's great for football. It is great for, um, I don't know, coed underwater basket weaving whatever it is, uh, that, it is you, that you actually. can find on tv um it's it's great for that and and the food and drink are are not just um you know complements to what is on the television they are worth visiting in their own right it's good to see the co-ed side of the of the basket weaving really grow oh, yeah. here
0: in recent years you know yeah. you know i've
1: always, i've always i've long felt that as the uh, it, it was too divided we needed to unite the the basket weaving uh world for sure
0: to put them all in one
1: container if you will <laughs> they had to weave the, the own basket that they would be in weave it around them so i don't know That's we've it. gone off the rails already <laughs>
0: all right before any
1: of ML you, Rose, you check it out <laughs> before any of you weave the show
0: oh, oh gosh Wes. We're gonna, we're gonna get a simple <laughs> wordplay we've devolved into simple concept Ugh. of wordplay you can tell we're a little rusty right <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of rusty there we go here we go uh, SKC has looked a little rusty on the pitch in recent years. In 2020, in Nashville SC's first year, Boys and Gold finished seventh in the Eastern Conference, of course, got into the 10 team that year playoff. Sporting Kansas City won the Western Conference. It's easy to forget that they were the Western Conference champs. They upgraded in 2021 and still finished third, you know, top four is good in, in the West with as much parity as there is. Nashville, though, was third in the East. Last year, Nashville, fifth in the West. Sporting Kansas City, although they did beat Nashville at Jodas Park, finished 12th in the West. And in 2023, the boys in gold currently 7th in the East and SKC 10th in the Western Conference. Tim, Sporting Kansas City is looked at as a model club. And Peter Vermes has, I think at this point, easily the longest longevity redundant mm-hmm. of, of any MLS manager. Has Nashville passed Sporting Kansas City, though, in the league hierarchy at this point?
1: I think it's fair to to ask the question because of those kind of trajectories that seem to be going in the opposite direction, or, or Nashville at least, kind of treading water as things stand right now. Well, SKC seems to be on a pretty consistent downward trajectory. It's important to keep in mind, though, the 2022 season, especially, Alan Polito misses almost the entire year. I I believe he got hurt in the very first game, or maybe even preseason. Mm-hmm. That's that's when you lose a designated player. Um, the head Kenda missing uh, a relatively a uh, large portion of the year as well. So when you miss two designated players, it's it's especially tough in this league. You only get the opportunity to have three of them, and if if one or two of them go down, it's a problem. Nashville SC has has kind of fought through uh, their own DP issues in uh, a poor scouting choice in Akeloba, in a poor choice for Jean to go to Venezuela uh, to play in the. Uh, Couple Libertadores? No. What is a what is their <laughs> the Copa? The Conmebol? Yeah, okay. Yeah. To, to, to play in the Conmebol Championships, or I believe it was World Cup qualifying, whatever it was. I don't remember the specific. Right. Yeah. Came down. Came down with a major respiratory illness that was going around at the time, and was never the same player. Nashville chose not to c- continue him. Nashville has has overcome the lack of a true striker much better than SKC uh, dealt with missing Alan Polito last year. The thing is, Polito's back this year. He's on track for for comeback player of the year, probably. And they're still in 10th place in the West. They are still outside the playoff positions. I don't think it's necessarily an indictment of the SKC model. It is the nature of a league where there's a lot of parity. And you are a club that is not regularly trying to work at the margins to squeeze the most you can out of the dollars that you get. They're not out there saying, okay, one of these DP spots, we're going to spend $500 million on Lionel <laughs> Messi. They're not the kind of club that's doing that. You don't have the margin for error there. I would say I would, my expectation would be that, that they kind of bounce back a little bit and become a consistent, but maybe not, you know, elite sort of team. Like they were back in 2021 and Nashville SC joined the league but they can occasionally be the top team in the West. You mentioned they're not the type to go for a Messi. They were
0: credibly tied to Cristiano Ronaldo there for a hot minute. If you'll remember, which which felt so weird because it was a departure for them.
1: I I think that that, um, it's kind of a tangent. I think that is the next evolution for a club like SKC say, okay, we are going to be this, this very solid base. And then right on top, we're going to add that top piece. I think you could say that's what Nashville SC has tried to do with Sam Surridge. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned at the top, when you get a guy like Hani Mukhtar, which which is the type of scouting win that it is, you can paper over a lot of the issues that you have. And and Nashville has had issues with midfield depth, especially last year, with striker play, Mm -hmm. basically throughout the existence of the franchise. You have Hani Mukhtar. Um, I think SKC hasn't, hasn't sort of had the sort of, talismanic player that Hani Mukhtar is. They've had really good players, but they haven't had the guy who can paper over some of those issues. When they do have that that addition of a of a top player that could either complement Polito, that could replace Polito, like I think a lot of people thought a Ronaldo would have done, maybe they can take that additional step to the next level. But I really think the consistency of they're never going to be horrible um, last year, notwithstanding they might not be the best until they have that kind of special year where they're willing to spend mm-hmm. that little bit more. But I, I, I think the setting a high baseline is probably it's something that Nashville is going to continue to do, and I think um, SKC is is probably a little bit better at it than it seems because of what they've done last year and and so far this year.
0: And Polito was the the quote a little bit more back in I believe it's twenty twenty one when he signed. He his transfer fee was more, if I remember correctly, than all the transfer fees in SKC history combined. And so it was a bit of a change in, in tact for them that now they'll look to build on. And I think when we look at last year's results, you have to use the qualifier that he and Kinda missed almost the entire season uh, mm-hmm. last year. I mean, they, it was devastating for them. And I think Nashville, you think about Nashville without Mukhtar and without, I don't know, Walker. It's not really a comparable player because it's yeah, a different position. Yeah. But but you think I mean that's gonna that's gonna be devastating. And they didn't have the base because some of their academy prospects just didn't quite I think pan out the way that that they wanted to. One such young player that at least briefly panned out for them. I, I here's here's some trivia. We need to get Clay Trainum on the show to confirm. <laughs> Maybe you know this. This is a, this is a Trainum level trivia question. Is Felipe Hernandez the only player to score against Nashville SC in USL and an MLS play?
1: Um, he might be. I th- I think there might be a a Chicago, a couple Chicago guys who are on loan with like Indy Eleven yeah. or something. But yeah, he might be. He may well be. I'm thinking like a Brandon Vasquez, but I don't think ATL UTD two ever actually scored against no, Nashville. He, well, and I he he was with Atlanta senior team and just never played. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think. He, so. Yeah. I think maybe he came down for one game, but it wasn't. Yeah.
0: yeah it wasn't significant. Uh, John Gallagher. No, he's never scored against Nashville. I think that might be the case. I'm I, I'm yeah. not going to look it up. I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to look that up. But it was fun, uh, especially fun speculation because Felipe Hernandez grew up in Murfreesboro, uh, so a kind mm-hmm. of fun story there. And it gets it gives us a chance to to visit the history between these two. Um, Sporting Kansas City 2 was known back in the day as the Swope Park Rangers. It's where Liam Doyle came to Nashville from randomly, center back in USL. Uh Nashville beat Swope Park 5-1 back in 2019, uh, and then 2-0 on the road. Um, when they rebranded to Sporting Kansas City 2. The 5-1 was getting mixed up in my years now, but um, yeah. No, they didn't change the name to SK2, SKC2 until until after after Nashville. Nashville. There you go. Okay, got it. Um can you can you name the five goal score or the five who the five goals came from in that five one win off the top of your head?
1: Um, I think one came from Bolu Akinyode. It did not. Or that might have been away. That might have been away. That was, uh, yep. Rapapa Mensa. That Rapapa Mensa was not involved on, in the. Also, might court. have been away. Those are uh, you nail um, the road match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can guess Lebo Moloto, former Swope Park player. Shockingly, uh, did not. What? Okay. I have, then I have no idea. All right. <laughs> Alan Wynn scored five goals. Alan Wynn. Okay. Is one of them, uh, actually.
0: Alan Wynn, now, uh, last I saw working at the Beeman Toyota, by the way. Hey, there you um, go. No free shouts. A local Toyota dealership. <laughs> uh, Daniel Rios Brace, um, uh, Carlton of Belmar. The here. Yeah. yeah. Carlton Belmar and Cameron Lancaster. Um, there we go. My son's namesake. Not really. Please don't. (laughs) Uh, Then in MLS play, three meetings, um, current Celtic player Alistair Johnston earned his first career red card uh, for Nashville SC in a 2-1 loss at Sporting Kansas City in 2020. Uh, Nashville won at SKC early in the season last year, 2-1, before losing at home. Aki Loba scored a goal in the 2-1
1: lost to SKC. So kind of a a mixed history. Yeah. And I think when you look at last year's results, losing at home to SKC was, was a disappointment and um, you know, the teams are actually closer uh, points wise this year, but I still think Nashville SC would look at a road match and say, we need three points from this, or or we would love three points, but we absolutely need at least one. So it is a situation where you don't want to say throw out the records for two clubs that have played (laughs) five total times across multiple leagues. And and, um, you know, Half of the, basically half of the matches so far have been against their, their, uh, reserve team. But it is a situation where Nashville, I, regardless of how good the teams are, I I think, um, you sometimes see it feels like Gary Smith might, might push a, press a little hard against Colorado for, for, for good and for bad. And I think from a Mike Jacobs perspective, you may see the same sort of thing against SKC. I think you felt that last year at home against SKC. So that does make it a little bit more interesting in terms of the, the history between the clubs. And when you look at the current setup, we talked about Alan Polito a minute ago. He's really snuck
0: up on this league this year after being, you know, again, down for the count last season. Just looked back. He has 11 goals in his last 13 matches in league competition. Mm -hmm. I I mean, he's got to be a candidate for comeback player of the year at that clip, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, they sometimes give comeback player of the year to like a guy who just didn't play well the previous year or whatever, but um, what Polito is doing as somebody who missed all of last season is is more certainly more in the in the spirit of of comeback player of the year. And um, at this stage, I can't think of anybody who who really should even be competition with him. But it is a situation where uh, he's he's producing really well. He's he's tied with Lucho Costa uh, for the second most or the second highest number of goals. It's it's fourth overall, tied in the Golden Boot standings behind Hani, Denis Buanga. I'm Giorgio Shakamakis from Atlanta. This is a guy who is putting goals in at a high clip. What's weird to me, he's doing it uh, at a very uh, low goals added value. He's the lowest goals added player on SKC's team. Uh, weirdly, he is not getting into he's not receiving in places to to get in front of goal. So the way that he is scoring is is a little bit more about um I guess combining and and, and overachieving his his shooting expectations, but um it is a guy who I I think Nashville SC fans are, are looking to as as the one who, if somebody's going to beat you from SKC, it's going to be him. The guys that help set him up are actually a little better
0: in that goals added <laughs> category. So, so the central mid Yadi Kenda, who's again, they really missed him maybe as much as Polito last year and center back Andre Fontas. What do they do well and how are they going to challenge Nashville?
1: Yeah, what's really weird is is when you think about um, how Nashville is built, they want their central midfielders to be interrupters. So you would expect that SKC, again, a team that um, kind of is the model for Nashville SC, that's not the case for, for Kinda. He is not an interrupter at all. He does literally everything else well from a goals-added perspective that's passing, uh, that's that's not fouling or getting fouled in in places that help his team out. That's uh, receiving the ball in dangerous places um, in comparison to his position. Um, that's, that's shooting. That's uh, there's one more, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. He does everything. Well, um, Andreu Fontes is, is somewhat similar. He's, he's really not an interrupter either, which is weird. If your central midfielders aren't interrupters and your center backs aren't interrupters, it's kind of weird to think about how you are preventing teams uh, from, from getting into dangerous places and scoring. But um, he is a guy that, that also doesn't really receive in dangerous spots and, when you look at center backs that that really just means he's he's not a threat on set pieces um cuz really center backs aren't aren't getting forward that much yes you have your your occasional leandro gonzalez perez or whomever but um really when when a center back has a low uh a low receiving value it's just cuz they aren't a set piece target and and fontes is is not a guy that's that's doing a ton in the attack and he's in he's just kind of your solid sort of a uh, guy who's who's going to go out there and do a job. And that's, that's you know, if you don't have a Walker Zimmerman, I think that's what the, a Nashville model would like as well. Speaking of
0: doing jobs, Tim Melia has been one of the best shot stopping keepers uh, in this league for a long time. And, and I'm especially talking penalties. I mean, this guy has, you know, some some really memorable moments in some key playoff matches where he just come up huge. He's kind of fallen off the radar for a lot of people, I think, among elite keepers, maybe just partially because of the team's lack of considerable success. But the numbers are telling us he's having a strong
1: 2023. Yeah, well, so one issue with Melia is he has been suffering from a hip flexor injury. He missed uh, all matches from May 18th to August 5th. August 5th was the first knockout game of League's Cup for Sporting Kansas City. They were a team that did not take League's Cup seriously. Um, I am not going to fault any team that is dealing with a lot of injury issues and says, "Okay, we'll go out in the first knockout stage game and, and get healthy over the course of the month." And they basically did that. He's been back in the four regular season games since play resumed. Um, but he's been in when he has played. He has been an elite shot stopper. He's allowing eighty-four percent of expected goals against. So, it's somebody that's um, you know among guys with a thousand minutes. Uh, he's he's second best in the league. Um, the only guy better is San Jose's Danielle, who we will uh, see <laughs> later this week. So uh, Nashville going against two really tough keeper assignments this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, Melia again coming off of a muscle injury. Does he play weekend, midweek weekend? Uh, maybe this is an opportunity for Nashville to, to get the backup keeper who, um, you know, I, I would say if you are missing Tim Melia, who has been the best keeper in the league and you are not a very good team, that probably there's a correlation there so so uh I you, you would prefer not to face melia but I think um in a game that's as important to, to SKc if he can go he will actual rooting to see Kindle McIntosh instead perhaps yeah I Kendall. was not about I should have written it down I was not about to look it up in the
0: middle of trying to talk extemporaneously <laughs> I'll uh, I'll just sound knowledgeable instead of um, divulging <laughs> that I was frankly looking through fat mob lineups to, to see <laughs> that uh, who that was it was eric dick there for a while but he's moved on um so in terms of nashville we talked a lot of supporting kansas city who from nashville most badly needs to have a big week between skc and san jose both on the road it'd be really easy to say honey mootard yeah, you know, be. but so maybe you're gonna say that <laughs> who, who
1: who most most urgently needs to get moving for the boys and gold I don't know about urgency, but I actually think um you can rely upon Hani. I don't think you need to say, Oh, this guy needs to break out or or Nashville screwed, because I don't think you expect him to not break out at, at any given time. Um, I think Sam Surridge is kind of in the same boat. He is he has not lit up league play like he did Leagues Cup. Um, but I think you can rely on him um, for now. I will say the the two-headed winger duo. Um, that has been so important. The two guys that basically play the same role, Fafa Pico and Jacob Schaffelberg. I think you would love to see one or both of them get on the score sheet if they can kind of get back to being a huge danger in behind with Surridge, with Honey. It takes this team's attacking potency to another level. And that's something that uh, if if you take the attacking potency to another level, you expect to have uh, a Walker Zimmerman that's at least a- approaching full health and and you know the same sort of um, you know, back six, back seven, if you include the keeper that Nashville has basically always had. You're really cooking as you get through into these uh, final seven uh, regular season matches.
0: Yeah, Walker has had some injury issues here lately, listed as questionable, uh, along with Sam Surridge, and then Randall Ayal with illness. So the boys in gold, certainly hoping they yeah. can have the full complement of those guys.
1: Yeah, and earlier this week, um, when we talked to Gary Smith, it I, it sounded like Randall is, is probably on the path back. It sounded like Walker might be one more... Uh, one more match away. I would possibly like bench midweek. Nashville's going straight from Kansas City to San Jose. So bench midweek in, in hopes of starting on, on the weekend. That's my speculation based on how Gary framed it. I would uh, bet no. Serge just plays.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you hope so. Uh, yeah. Teal Bunbury also suspended due to yellow card accumulation, uh, by the way. Uh, so, uh, you know, you really need surge <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you can. Otherwise, we might see a Zubac special. Uh, which uh you know he, he can do a job in a moment if he needs to for this team but they, they'd rather have their you know deep yeah. tracker if they can if they can help it um so the stakes then where things stand now and let's chat San Jose just for a second um Nashville we mentioned where they were in the in the table relative to eighth ninth and beyond but looking up the table boys and gold are five points behind um Atlanta who plays DC two in hand uh five behind Columbus um It's time, isn't it? It's time Mm -hmm. to start climbing the table. They've sat for a long time because of the schedule. Great. They've had a break. It's got to be for me. It's got to be a, you know, a four point week, right? I mean, they've got to get a win out of this and they've got to start climbing. Now's the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a tough, it's kind of a, a tough ask to have a a road trip where you don't stop home in between and say, you need to get four points out of this and that it's tough because if they don't get four points, it's hard to see them passing those teams. Um, obviously, they they would not be able to pass them um, in terms of, you know, the games in hand without without getting five uh, two wins, essentially because they're five points behind each of them. But um, you look at it and you say, if you get three points, you're feeling OK, you're not thrilled. If you get four points, you feel like you're making a move back up the table and you're back on the form that you were on before. Um, the slump that led into league's cup play. So that I think that's what you really aim for six points. You're really feeling, okay, we're we're back in position to play our way into a home playoff game as we enter this stretch run. And
0: I'll remind you guys, we had our, our prop bets episode last week talking about what was ahead for the rest of the season. It's actually still current. Even if you, even after SKC, there's some currency to it. If you didn't listen to that, I said that, that my bet was dependent on this first match that if Nashville got three against Sporting Kansas City, they were setting themselves up to the kind of finish they wanted. If they didn't, I think it's it's the canary in the coal mine, that this mm-hmm. may not be a season where Nashville's going to push for that, that home playoff match. But especially when you look at the schedule ahead, you're right. No easy task to go Midwest, West Coast without coming home. But then you come home and it's Seattle and Orlando. Atlanta, Orlando in good form. Seattle, Seattle. They're top three in the West again. Then you go to Philadelphia and then New England, which – on paper, yeah. still tough, even though they're disheveled after Bruce Arena. And then Red Bulls you've never beaten. There's not a single game left on this that you say, well, there's a breather. <laughs> not that yeah. there are many of those in this league to begin with, but it's so funny that we're looking at a schedule where New England might be considered to be the easiest remaining game, only because of what's happening off the pitch there.
1: Yeah. And we, when we talked about it uh, last week with our with our prop at some channel. Look like at I said I said sporting Kansas City win, San Jose lost. So I I predicted mm-hmm. the three points last week and I I think I that seems about right. I just poo-pooed the the realism of of needing four versus uh you know being hopeful for four. So um yeah, you, you need something out of this week, but the reason for that is because it is not an easy stretch run and it's gonna be difficult for Nashville SC to to play their way into a home playoff match if they don't start picking up results in a hurry. And then time is getting short to do that. San Jose takes on Portland
0: Wednesday, recording this Tuesday afternoon. Um, They just snapped a four-game winless streak in league play with a win at home over Salt Lake. Very good result for them. That win over over RSL to kind of stop a slide, and it gets them actually tied on points with RSL, 40 points, as they sit in seventh place right now. But they're literally a win away from second if results were to break their way. It's such a tight Western conference. What do you like about San Jose? The the Matias Almeida man marking days are far behind them now under <laughs> Luchi Gonzalez. What have they done well? Give us a little status update since the last time both most of us saw San Jose was in a KG draw at Jodas Park last year.
1: Yeah, I think the the main thing to keep in mind is is what I mentioned a moment ago. And that's goalkeeper Danielle. He's he's been awesome. He's been really good this year. That has kept them in a lot of matches. Um they they're kind of you what you expect of San Jose is what you see of San Jose. They're going to be kind of exciting and not very good. And that's that, that remains the case, I would say. Uh, it might be slightly insulting or, or more than <laughs> more than slightly insulting to to describe them that way. But that's part of what makes MLS great is you need these teams that are kind of fun, even if they're not always all that good. Um, you and I, or at least certainly I, I, I think you also fall into this. Have always I've always been a big Jeremy Abobasi fan. I'm happy he's getting his chance in San Jose. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so I think we both look at that and say, that's a guy that that we like. We would not like him to perform very well on Saturday evening. Um, what is extremely interesting to me is uh, I would say former at this time, US international, Matthew Hoppe has signed with San Jose. I don't believe he's made his debut yet. I'm scrolling through their stats and I don't see his name there, which leads me to believe he, oh no, there he goes. He's played two matches. Um, he has not really contributed a whole lot yet. He's played 64 minutes between them though, but that's interesting because he's a guy who had a high ceiling and clearly isn't going to reach it, but there are, are there's a danger when there's a guy who, is, who has kind of the pedigree that he has had playing in Europe a little bit that he can come out and have a big game at any point and you just hope it's not against this team. Yeah, formerly of Schalke, I believe. Uh, I mm-hmm. We had a hat trick one time for Schalke back in the day.
0: Uh, if I'm It was correct like a, in
1: his first match, wasn't it? Something it was like early. That.
0: It was really yeah. early in that tenure. When I mean, you look at the San Jose team, I remember looking at them last year when they had just a rough, rough time of it because of a system that was not set up for really any any team to succeed, that man marking system. But you look at their talent and you think, these guys have some good players, man. I mean, we, we talk about Abobas. He's, <laughs> he's not a surprise to anybody. Yeah. Uh, Christian Espinosa's had a great year, uh, just a, a really strong season. He is kind of one of those guys I keep on my fantasy team week after week, 12 goals this year. Um Ooh,
1: fantasy team.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. That's kind of what I said last week too, to be honest with you. Um, but, but guys like Jackson Ewell, Kate Cowell, um, you know, Rodriguez has had a really good year in defense. And all of a sudden you add these names up, Jamiro Montero, like the most Philadelphia, Philadelphia player besides Jose Martinez. And you're and you looking and you're like, oh yeah, these guys have some, like they're, they're not DP heavy. The talent's not incredibly sexy. Yeah. Yet Hoppy to the mix though. And this is a team that just seems to have a pretty high floor these days. I think that's what I
1: would say about them, right? Which is weird because, again, that's kind of like the opposite of, of what they had been. They had been, oh, uh, they yeah. might have a really low floor, but they could have a really high ceiling. And now they're, they're kind of the opposite, which is maybe less fun. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, I guess. And
0: Nashville supporters are probably quickly going to be reminded why they can't stand Paul Marie. The Frenchman who's like the most irksome yeah. fullback who if he ever played for Nashville, Nashville
1: fans would adore for the same reasons they can't stand him. Yeah, he he reminds from. me of uh, who's the little guy from uh, from the Canadian national team that I always make fun of for being a USL player, Samuel Piette, same <laughs> same sort of guy where he's just so frustrating and annoying. Yeah, he's even when he's yours, you would fight for him. Yeah. And when oh, he's absolutely. Not, he, yeah, he would him. be he would be a fan favorite in Nashville if he played for <laughs> Nashville for sure.
0: Speaking of fan favorites, we'll get out of here uh with uh, an ML Rose uh, reference as well. Um because it's just the best, is why. That's that's it. It's just it's just the best. I um going going back with my wife it's always fun to go with with family because when I go typically it's with buddies to watch a game and and we're doing you know the burger and the beer and the wings thing but but they've got such variety too for those who want cocktails my wife um for the past couple times she's been now has gotten a ranch water cocktail that that's like a homemade ranch water situation because like I don't know why but when you said
1: that I thought about like ranch dressing water not like that tequila drink. But okay, that would be so great. Gross. Great cocktails. Their <laughs> ranch dressing is really good. They do not mix the two.
0: We're really falling down on the ad job today. I yeah, think. This, yeah. Uh, this is not okay. The, the kids are familiar with what ranch water is. is There's a thing that the children know about. Um, <laughs> it's it, seltzer with tequila. Seltzer with yeah. tequila and fruit. Uh, the the real problem was that our son like fruit is like his favorite treat. And he saw the orange in in my wife's ranch water and he really wanted it. And he just could not have a tequila soaked orange. It's not great for three-year-olds, we're told. So we did not give him that. But uh it's it's the variety of cocktails, the variety of food as well. Um it is it's just more than a sports bar, you know? Like I had a Thai peanut chicken salad uh on Saturday because it's the same thing I ate before Tennessee beat Alabama last year. Did not work for Tennessee beating <laughs> Florida. So I'm amazing no the Thai Peanut chicken salad, but, but you can walk out of that sports bar feeling refreshed, right? Like I was calling a Belmont soccer match, so I wasn't having any beer. I had a had a soft drink, had th- peanut chicken salad. I had the energy I needed to be full um, and and protein rich, I guess, um, without going heavy carbs. But if you want the heavy carbs, Tim, the heavy yeah. carbs will
1: find you there as well. Yeah, I'm a big carb guy. I previously mentioned that uh, producer Lily loves uh, waffle fries. She gets that from her father. That is for sure. Um, and it's been a, it has been so long since I've talked about the Carolina sweets. Waffle oh, fries. my gosh. So I just gotta, I just going to bring them up. I just want to give them a shout out because M.L. Rose's food is is legitimately uh, it's, it's more than just bar food. And we're excited that they want to share, uh, you know, kind of their soccer experience with us. And we're happy to drive people in their direction. Finally, the do-your-own-research corner of the podcast. I'm just going <laughs> to drop three words here and
0: let you guys look it up on ML Rose's social media or website. Smash Burger Tacos.
1: Ooh!
0: I'm just going to leave it right there for you guys to research. Maybe we'll follow up next week as Nashville SC goes to Sporting Kansas City and to San Jose before returning home for their first home matches uh, in a very long time um, in league play. Can't wait to continue bringing you that analysis. Uh, give us a follow each on Twitter, uh, West Bowling TN, Club Country USA. Uh, keep on visiting ML Rose and send us your uh, your pictures and, and accounts of that and rate and review the podcast. Get on Apple Podcasts, scroll all the way to the bottom, five-star review, tell us why. And uh, some somebody did that recently. They didn't actually leave a review, but they gave a five-star rating. I think we were up a couple. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, and uh, we encourage you to do that so more people can find the show. Tim, anything else to add before we head on today? No, I uh,
1: I have a content recommendation, which Ooh, is right. uh, it's a reverse content recommendation. I'm telling people to give their content. Um, I gave blood yesterday. I give blood every eight weeks, however however often they let you do that. Uh, it's, it's awesome. You get to feel like you're doing something uh, while you are lying down on a little like gurney thing and you're and you're helping people who need it. Oh, shout out to the Red Cross. They get a they get a free shout-out from me. So go yeah. to go to ML Rose
0: first and get a good hearty meal so you yeah. know,
1: but you don't have a but do not have a cocktail or, or a drink on this no, occasion. Just, no. the, just the meal.
0: <laughs> get a good burger, so you've got that you got you know the, the or a little life hack is go after
1: and, and do have the cocktail or the beer.
0: <laughs> I, I've made fun of myself for giving like live soccer as content. I never imagined blood as content <laughs> on the show. Uh but i will wholeheartedly big follow. dracula has taken I will... over
1: the podcast
0: don't give tim your blood give the red <laughs> cross your blood i will seriously in all seriousness i will i will fully follow along that vein and say that it's very important uh to, and i've not done that in a long time actually so i was on on a good string there myself for a while so thank you for the recommendation i'll do the same actually and i'll come back to Thanks you girl. here in a couple weeks let you know uh, team it up with an Melrose rose visit again burger before give blood cocktail after that's the order of events uh and uh then yeah great great recommendation blood as content all right guys <laughs> on uh, on that note uh we're gonna go uh prowl the the streets in the evening and then sleep during the day and we'll be back to you here <laughs>